Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EVMC podcast. Join us for this all-access pass backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live event industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to incredible guests who journey with us as we dive deep into the world of venues, tours, festivals, and everything in between. Grab your laminate and meet us in Venue Land. Today's adventure, of course, taking us to Miami via Seattle. We're doing all kinds of crazy stuff today, but uh, it's very early in the morning here. We're sounding a, a little rough because uh, it was a, a late night here after opening night when we were recording this. Uh, but Paul, uh, would you like to introduce our guest? Because as you have you have said to me, this is this is your your white whale. <laughs> we're setting the bar too too high. Uh, no pressure. It, it is one of my yeah. It is one of my white whale guests. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're joined by Liz Roca. And we're happy. We're happy to have her join us. We've known Liz for many years uh, through EAMC, and uh, figured we had to corner her at, in person at a conference. That's the only way we're going to land her because she's a busy person. So. so many people know Liz from you know her uh, eighteen plus years at American Airlines Arena in Miami, but she's had some really interesting adventures that we're excited to share with you. So, with no further ado, Liz, thanks for getting up early this morning. Hi, guys. Thank you for making me wake up early and finally cornering me into doing this. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, it's not that I didn't want to do it. It's just, you know, my crazy schedule, but I'm happy to be here and happy to do this for you guys. You are running crazy. So your current role, you are the director of tour marketing at United Talent Agency. Correct. But what does that mean? What is it? What is it? What are you doing? What does that mean? <laughs> I actually took the job and had no idea what that meant. But um, <laughs> so many of us have done that. Yeah, I took the job and I was like, now what? Um, but yeah, so I took the job after being out of work for a little bit over a year because of the pandemic, as we all know. Um, and yeah, so basically UTA is a agency that represents, you know, different clients and, you know, Bad Bunny, Carol G, they're growing their Latin space. Um, I mean, represent Lizzo, Florence and the Machine, um, the list goes on and on, but they're really trying to grow their Latin space and, you know, have two of the hottest Latin clients right now, which is Bad Bunny and Carol G. And uh, yeah, so they brought me on um, to help with those tours and basically uh, do the entire marketing uh, for the tours, whether it's North America, Latin America. Um, so yeah, so I work either with a promoter, if it's a promoter, if it's like a Live Nation you know, tour or individual promoters, if it's just 26 shows with 26 different promoters. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it. It's a lot. Um, <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> I think I think that you just encapsulated everyone that works in live events. I love it. It's a lot. Dot dot dot. A lot. <laughs> but I love uh, it. <laughs> I just. It's just a lot to keep. A lot of moving parts. You're dealing with yeah. a lot of different people. A lot of egos. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. Um, managing expectations. Um, so yeah, but I, I love dealing with people. I miss that aspect of it. Um, so, so yeah, but yeah, it is a lot. Are you finding, I think there's not a ton of people that have touched so many different sides of the industry, being on the venue side, being on the promoter side, uh, are you finding that I'm sure that's a big advantage, right? You're, you, you probably have a 
unique perspective that maybe some of your coworkers don't have, where when you're reaching out to these promoters or you're working with the venues or you're proving things, you're kind of, you know, their perspective a right. bit more. Yeah. Like I'm in their head. Yeah. Um, because <laughs> yeah, you are. I lived it. I know it. what you're thinking when I make this ask. <laughs> but yeah. And then I try to be sensitive to that. And it's challenging because I still see myself as a venue marketer. Sure. Sure. Um, I did it for almost 19 years and I loved it, but it's tough because I'm very appreciative of what they're doing. I kind of understand, obviously, the position I'm putting them in. I always like to give them the benefit of the doubt because I remember sitting there not too long ago. But then on the agency side, it's like, you know, now I have a different role. I have a different hat, um, you know, and I need to ask for certain things. And so it's I'm still kind of caught in the middle between being a venue marketer and now being an agency market tour marketer. Um, but I feel it's an advantage because... I do know what I can ask them for. I do know what they're capable of. Um, and I remember when I was a venue marketer getting pushed, and I don't mean that in, in a bad way, I mean in a good way, just pushing myself to do more outside of like what the venue, sure. you know, yeah. uh, the cookie cutter model. Right, yes. Um, and, and often that comes from that direction. You know, you're 100%. kind of within your own venue world and then you get this request or something and you're like, Oh man, this is a challenge. But then you often everyone pulls it off, you know, and right. it's like, oh man, like I now have this in my toolbox. I can use it for the next show right. or whatever that is. Yeah. And it helped us. And of course, at the time it would annoy me, but it helped me grow and it helped me, you know. I remember working with and it made me better, Michelle Bernstein or, you know, and her putting so much pressure on the venue, you know, and we were a competing venue with at the time the arena sunrise it's gone through so many names but so we really had to think outside the box and how do we stand out so that the shows could come to us and not to the arena 45 minutes away yeah. um in the suburbs so and actually eric brusher and i were talking about that yesterday um but yeah so i love it and it's it's hard because again i want to be sensitive to what you know their challenges are but at the same time now i'm working for the client and i know what they can do so i want them to do it for me yeah. On the, on the flip of that, now that you're in your seat, what do you think like a venue marketer, uh, maybe that you didn't know being on the venue side, is there anything that you recommend to people on the venue side that, uh, from your perspective you're in now, like, oh, okay, I see this is always a challenge that hangs people up, but I've been there. These are the type of requests. Like, are there any tips or anything you try to give them? I mean, I think just again, going back to the, this is what we do. Yeah. You know, this is what the arena can offer you, you know, no, like there's so, so much more. You have to like hone in on who the client is, um, what are their likes, what are their dislikes and try to make it personal to that artist. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's how that venue is going to stand out. That's how the tour is going to stand, the stand out. Even within a tour, there's certain venues that I'm like, oh, I loved that show and I didn't love this show. And it's not because of the show. It's just because of the experience at the venue, Right. you right. know, whether it's any marketing, big looks like. In Miami, we have a lot of big murals like in Wynwood and those type of areas, but a lot of places, you know, New York will do them sometimes, but inventory is a little bit tight. Um, from an artist perspective, it's just something different. It's not, you know, your typical, you know, now it's everything's digital. So yeah. this is something that stands out. So, you know, anything that your city can offer that other cities don't offer. Um, and then also just, we took a lot of pride when we were at the arena of just in-house uh, signage and just hospitality and you know when the artist gets there like wow you know remembering our venue it's not just the white or gray brick walls that you're walking you know down um so I think anything that can make you know just do something and take pride in it you know like yeah. you know anything local like what's the local food or you know find out what your artist likes 
Um, yeah, and that doesn't necessarily help with the marketing of the show, but it does help when they're coming back. Like, hey, we loved the people there. They were good to work with. Um, it was a positive experience. Yeah. So, Liz, you know, it's funny because, you know, you've been coming to EAMC now, EVMC for so many years. And, you know, you've seen every, you know, there, there seems to usually be a hot topic that everybody's talking about. Sometimes it's that new thing, Instagram or TikTok or what, you know, whatever, you know, the, the flavor of the moment that people are really excited about the ends up becoming just what we do every day. But, you know, the Latin shows seems to be, you know, we've talked about it for years, but right now, you know, I've seen it in a room with, you know, six people attending at a round table, but now it seems to be one of the hottest topics in the live event industry of how people in Boise, Idaho are going to market Latin shows right. and Latin artists and how people in Columbus, Ohio are going to do it and everywhere all around the country. It's why is it, why is this the moment? Yeah. So that's interesting. So it's the first year that EAMC has the panel, right? The Latin. Yeah. Like a dedicated Latin. Panel. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot. That's something and it's big um, that is finally getting its own platform. Um, obviously I'm from Miami. So for us, it's the norm, right? Yeah. Right. It's been, yeah. Gloria right. Estefan, yeah. you know, freaking Miami sound machine and conga, like, you know, everybody that wasn't uh, Latin was like, wow, what is that sound? Um, so, yeah. So for me, it's hard to like put myself outside of that because it's all I've ever known. But yeah, now like being on the agency side again and routing our tours to places that I never imagined would be listening to Latin sure. music. Yeah. And not only that, but selling out. Sure. You know, people just did like a 56 city tour um last year. Like I love people, Mr. 305, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's just he's been at it for so long yeah. and in my age group and i'm full disclosure i'm gonna be 50 but now he had like another like a resurgence with like teenagers yeah so you saw all these sellouts in all across america um and then you saw all these young kids with the bald caps on yeah <laughs> that was a thing <laughs> My son's asking me for tickets to go see Pitbull. I mean, we listen to everything at the house, but yeah. I'm like, really, Pitbull? You want to go? Yeah, yeah, mom, Mister Three or Five. Okay, Mister Worldwide. Um, so it's amazing and it's awesome. And I, I mean, obviously, it's personal to me, so I love to share it with the world and that everyone's sure. like, you know, listening to this music and 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 loving it. And so yeah, so I just think the moment. I think streaming. I think just you know, obviously, not listening to whatever's on the radio yeah. like back in the day. Um, you can really just open up yourself to just all different types of music just with a click of a button. So I think that's been the big thing, um, just digital and just being able to access any type of music from anywhere, any city, you know, any county. Um, so I think that's a big reason why we're here. I think too, like so many different industries beyond live events, maybe during that time of pandemic where everyone's trying to kill time at home, you know, sometimes we don't, always have that much time to listen to music as much as we'd like. So we're kind of, okay, we're going to go back to our favorite bands. We're going to you know, maybe listen to a new song here or there. But I think when we did have this downtime, maybe that is also what, you know, threw gasoline oh, yeah. on the fire because yeah, sure. people are like, I've got all this time. I'm doing chores around the house, whatever it is. Oh, I should listen to this genre over here. My friend's doing this, not to mention the whole advent of TikTok, which while that broke artists, I think it also introduced whole genres. 100%. You know, people didn't even listen to this. And then they discovered, you know, even if they didn't care for that artist they saw on TikTok, they were like, oh, maybe I really like this genre now, right. which I didn't even know. You know, we've got whole legions of people that are interested in shanty 
empty songs, I feel like on TikTok, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think maybe that is part of it too, is it's, you know, it is this exposure through, you know, Spotify or, or yeah, all the different, different streamers, platforms. but it's, you know, I think like, as with everything in the last two or three years, it's just, everything has been right. You know, and TikTok up. was huge for Pitbull. Yeah. And I think everybody just like, I think they needed that energy that he brings because if you go to his shows or like nothing else, he does bring the energy. Yeah, a yeah, freaking yeah. party. Yeah. yeah. And now, oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times you've seen him and he's Reminds just me so the old like, hammer shows, hammer back in the day when he would right. have, bring a party on stage. A hundred percent. Yeah. And now he's doing the trilogy tour with Enrique and Ricky. Right. And that's going to be a freaking party. Oh, huge. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Something, yeah. yeah. So like, you know, three huge Latin artists, again, you know, all the tours, there's so many Latin tours out now and, you know, there's Romeo Santos, there's, you know, Carol G, she's just adding stadiums now. So I think it's just, a, it's, it's also a different type of music. I think it's very, I mean, for lack of a better word, passionate, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah people yeah. feel it in, you know, their bones, at least I do. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, it just transcends everything and everybody's kind of like looking for just to feel good and a good time. And like you said, with the pandemic, it was one of the many things that we, you know, started doing, which was listening to different types of music. We had more time. We changed so many habits mm-hmm. during yeah. the pandemic. Um, and I think just being open to like different things just because you had the time was a huge positive thing that came out of it. Liz, when we, you know, we talk about Latin artists so often, the question that we talk about is, you know, how do we find that Latin audience? How do we market to that Latin audience? But I'm sure one of the things you're seeing is that crossover appeal, right? So what percentage of the audience at a at a Bad Bunny show is not is not necessarily Latin? You know what I mean? So you're, is there is there reaching that crossover to a little bit of everybody? Stay tuned to yeah. the panel tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the rise of Latin music. Yeah. yeah, right. And all secrets will be disclosed. No, I mean, honestly, I don't have exact numbers, but I mean, again, in places like Miami, you know, you're looking at stadiums and it's probably like 90% Latin. Okay, just, yeah. Just because it's Miami. Sure. But then, you know, you're going to other places and and I would think 60, 40, which I think is huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Bad Bunny, it's just a phenomenon. Like just the sponsorships, the brands that want to work with him. Right. I mean, he's on Vogue. He's doing Cheetos. He's doing Adidas. I mean, he's mo- doing movies with Brad Pitt. Um, yeah, he's just all over the place and he's a force. He's having a moment. It's one thing too for like these artists to kind of break into that arena size, but man, talking about Bad Bunny and Carol G, but some of you know, stadium tours, stadium stadium is tough. But to do doubles on some of those shows, like that is bonkers. That's so wild. Listen, we we believe in our clients and and we know that they're you know rock stars, but yeah, it's nice that everybody agrees with us and yeah. they're buying the tickets and they're going to the stadiums and they're just having the time of their lives. And the speed of that growth, you know, normally you would see, of course, like, I don't want to say of course, because a lot of artists can't do it, but like Taylor Swift, but Taylor Swift has been around forever. Opening was, it, be short, remember, coming to the venue as an opening act. Yeah, and, and then, then it's coming like back as a single circuit, six sell. or seven tours, yeah. and then now done multiple stadium tours. And then also has just this bevy of al- albums. And so to jump as fast as they are to a stadium tour is really kind of incredible. And they're staying power. Yeah. Because anybody can just blow up and they just, as quickly as they blew up, just kind of like go away. Yeah. But I think, again, it's that connection. I, you know, there could be artists that are more talented. There's artists that could, you know, 
But I think it's these guys like a Taylor, Carol G, Bad Bunny. They work so hard. Like this is not an easy job that they're doing. Like our job is not easy, but they're out there every single night. I mean, that's exhausting. And they're just putting it out there. I mean, Taylor Swift freaking performed for three and a half hours in the rain. I mean, how can you not love her? So, and it's just about the connection. I think that's what sells tickets. Anybody could be a good performer. But that connection. But that connection, you know, that you feel like that person is truly like out there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what sells tickets. I think, you know, like Taylor Swift, like, she's just an advocate for so many good things and, you know, so many positive things. And, and she's such a great role model that I feel like kids nowadays and even adults, like who can't look up to Taylor Swift. I don't care that I'm 50. I admire the hell out of her, you know, her work ethic, like, um, and the connection is so important too for those last row of seats in a stadium. Cause you are not, you know, you're seeing a little ant dance on the stage, but if you're there and you feel like they're singing to you and you see them putting their heart into it, then you're like, Sure, I'll sit in the top yeah. row because yeah. I want to be at the experience. I just want to be there. Yeah, just, I want to be there. I mean, guys, did you see in Nashville the bridge? Oh, insane! People insane. are out yeah. there in the in the bridge, just wanting to like just a piece of it, just to listen and just kind of be in that moment and say they were there. You don't get that with anything else except right. for like yeah. music, live music, you know. Um, and not everybody. And, and I had this conversation yesterday. I don't remember with who, but. Not, and then not every artist translates into an entertainer and like a good concert so true. performer. Yeah. So I've seen artists that I love on the radio. I've seen them live and I've kind of left a little. So not everybody has that yeah. like ability yeah, yeah. to Transcend. connect. And I think that's a big part of it, of why they stay with, you know, on top for such a long time. Yeah. Liz, so, you know, obviously staying on top for a long time is the name of your game as well, right? So what, what do you do when, you know, we, we talked about, you Does know, that what mean you... I'm old? <laughs> I'm right there with you, my friend. <laughs> uh, hey, so, but yeah, what... you dinosaur, you've been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, what, uh, what do you, what's a day like for you? What do you, are you going to the office? You know, we know no. kind of what your job description is, but, but, you know, you wake up on a, I know, and I know every day is a little bit different, mm-hmm. but what's an average, what are you doing in an average day at your, in your position? Well, I work remotely now because our offices are LA, New York, Nashville. We have an office in Atlanta um, and London. So when I got hired, they knew they used to have an office in Miami and they closed that um, right before the pandemic, I believe. So, you know, I told them, listen, I, one thing I can't do and full disclosure, cause at this age, as you pointed out, um, I've been around for a long time. <laughs> so I don't, you know, there's no point in trying to be somebody that you're not or promising to do something that you're not going to do. Um, that's hard to kind of keep up long term. So I was like, full disclosure, you know, so grateful for the call and the opportunity, but I'm not relocating. My life is in Miami. Yeah. You know, born and raised. My kids were still in high school at the time. Um, so, yeah, so I work remotely. So it's not the typical job where you have to go into an office. And, um, and I think there's typical doesn't exist anymore. But, yeah, I try to keep a routine. Just because I need it for myself, I'm, you know, I would love to say I'm self-motivated, but I'm really not. Um, So I need to really, you know, keep that routine. So I'll wake up at a certain time, you know, my kids get me up, George, like just a bevy of noise and things happening in the house. (laughs) That even though I wanted to sleep until 10, I couldn't. Um, So, and then, yeah, I just, you know, make my coffee and just, I do take I I do like to take a minute because once I'm on the computer, it's crazy. Like people would tell me before when they work from home, oh my God, it's worse. You're working all the time. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you're in your house. You can be in pajamas. Sure. And if I make the mistake of checking my computer or checking my phone while I'm in bed, 
It's your go. You're, you kick in. It's your go. I'm go done. Yep, yep. Like I'm literally in pajamas the entire day. Right. Um, and my mom's come to my house. She lives very close and doesn't give me a heads up and <laughs> thinks I'm a complete loser because she does not understand that I'm, that I am actually yes, working. Right. <laughs> so she's like, is this your new life? And slippers, they look really disgusting. Um, so she shames me into getting dressed in the morning. I think if my mom comes in the middle of the day and I'm in pajamas, you know, I'm almost 50 and I'm still scared of her. So I put on my earrings. I, you know, try to put on something, even come for this, come to the conference. I'm like, I only have like loungewear, like, <laughs> um, or like going out Miami clothes that doesn't work. Yeah, here. Sure. Um, so, um, yeah. So I just try to stay in my routine. I try not to check my computer until I've actually like showered or, um, you know, I can lie and say, I try to take a walk, but. I never do. Although, you <laughs> know, anyone who follows you on Instagram sees that you are very active. You guys do get out. At least it feels like that. You know, yeah, you're like out yeah. along the beach. You're meeting up with tons yeah. of friends. You're out on boats, you know. Yeah. And- well, listen, and it's hard, as you guys all know, like this job couldn't literally take over your entire life. Sure. Um, And I've seen it happen to a lot of people. I mean, any job really, but ours is just, you know, when I was at the arena, it was 18 and a half years of working nights and weekends and but even if you're tired, you have to make time for like your personal life, yeah. whether you're married, whether you're not married, whether you have kids, whether you don't have kids. I mean, you have to just find stuff like you, you, yeah, are, our, you are among the best at that. Thank you. And I work at it like it yeah. sounds weird and I'm exhausted. Like my hair lady is like one of my oldest friends. And she's like, I go do my hair and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I'm not doing anything this week. And she's like, OK, I'll see you on the gram. Like, <laughs> lies. <laughs> I'm like, I hope nobody calls oh, me. Man. She's like, I hope they do because you don't know how to say no. I just see, listen, you have to enjoy life. Life is short. You know, sure. I've, I've experienced, you know, a lot of tragedy. I mean, you know, a lot of friends you know, have passed their kids, you know, I've seen young kids, friends of, you know, my boys, you know, die in boating accidents or my dad passed away at 42, you know? Yeah. I want to say I'm not affected. Like it's not something that has, you know, I've let it, you know, change who I am, but it's just made me appreciate life. Nothing is promised, you know, and I have a great group of friends, you know, my boys are healthy, my husband, my, you know, my family. So I just, I enjoy life. And yes, as much as I enjoy my job, I just, I also, there's other things out there that, you know, you want to do. And thankfully I have a group of friends who just, you know, if, if you know, I'm not thinking about it, they're thinking about it, you know, and, and we're dragging each other out. And, you know, during the pandemic, you, you mentioned being out on the beach, like I'm grateful to live close to like water. And that's like my happy place. Oh, sure. you know, we wrote, we would ride bike to Key Biscayne. And, you know, if I saw that body of water, like I was already in a different headspace. Yeah. You know, so I was, I'm lucky that I, I'm able to do that. But, you know, just ride by. We, now I don't have time to, you know, we're like, why don't we ride bike anymore? Well, because their cars, they're going to kill you. Like, they're going <laughs> to die that's in Miami true. riding bike. Um, so, you, you know, unfortunately, but you have to just, yeah, you know, it's the kids, it's, you know, the, you know, we made friends with the parents, it's, you know, going out. And that's why I love Miami. And, and I, why I say my husband would love to move um, because poor guy, I drag him everywhere. Um, he, he's very happy this week. I'm not there. Um, he's like, nobody call me, <laughs> you know, as a side note, you need to go. Uh, this is permission, although probably not mine to give to go creep Liz's Instagram and look at the Halloween uh costume combos between her and her husband i mean these are legendary costumes and i force all my friends now like yeah, they she, all hate me you have like boxes of halloween because now we have to do right? group costumes you gotta do group costumes it's a whole theme it's a whole situation it's but. fun it's fun guys you know life is short you have to enjoy it i mean you never know what's gonna happen and that's just maybe 
my almost 50 years of experience talking, but, you know, just live with intent, right? Yeah. Like, Amen. Yeah. You have to like, just, you know, yeah, shit happens, life happens, but um, you also have to like live with a purpose of what it is you want at the end of the day. Right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We don't always start off knowing what we want. And, you know, you graduate, you know, from college in Florida and, and your, your first, you spent a little run of time in the, in the print business, right? I did. I, I worked for six and a half years at the Miami Herald Publishing Company. And what were you doing? Advertising. Yeah. Advertising, advertising sales. Um, so my father-in-law, they call him a legend because he worked at the Miami Herald for 36 years. Oh, and wow. I actually worked. See, this is why I say live with intent. Like I saw a lot of people like just kind of floating and going to college. You know, and sometimes I wish I was a little bit more. I had been more irresponsible, but here we are. <laughs> I hear and, you. And, I hear but you. I was like, I'm going to work in something that I kind of want to, uh, what I'm studying. So when I graduate, I have the work experience as well as the degree. And yeah, so I, my father-in-law got a bunch of us jobs in sale. Well, we started customer service really like answering like newspapers, yeah, right, sure. hanging up on people. And like you're, just, you're showing up on time. Right. And yeah. You're, just, you're, you're paying your dues. I had a sense of duty. My father had passed away, you know, at 42, my mom was 40. I'm an only child. Um, so I kind of had that sense of like responsibility. I didn't want to put more burden on my mom financially. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I need to make money. And I was always very self like responsible, like self-inflicted, maybe like my mom always told me, don't work, don't work. Cause once you start working, you can never stop. And truer words have never been spoken right. yeah. because I've been working since I was 17 years old. Um, so, but yeah, I worked for six and a half years in the, in the Miami Herald, started in customer service. That was a freaking blast. Like it was just such a, I made lifelong friends here that are, print was let, let's make it print was the king at that point. It was amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then I actually, we developed the digital, like while I was there, yeah. like Miami Herald.com. And I started selling, well, I graduated from customer service to advertising sales for like classified advertising. And I don't think I ever did the obituaries, but um, <laughs> I did do garage sales and then graduated to the digital side of advertising. So it was a nice progression and really enjoyed it. But and I did it for six and a half years, but I knew that wasn't like my passion and what I wanted to do forever. Um, and then funny story, Eric Brescher that we all know. Sure. And I love and adore. And um, so I randomly saw, I want to say an ad in the paper. Um for this marketing manager position at the arena that had just opened American Airlines Arena. So I'm like, that's what I want to do. Like, I love sports. I love live music. Um, how awesome would that be? So random, I just send my resume in. Don't hear back for months. So I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then I get a call and it's to set up this interview. So I go on the interview and it's funny because the arena had just been open. I want to say nine months. I had been to a few events there. And, you know, typical Miami fashion, they wanted to like do a flame, like the seats. Like if you look at them, it was like right. red, orange, um, yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was the first arena of its kind. It was like exposed, like uh, concrete and like the pipes and then yeah. the seats were like, you know, and I had been to the traditional arena that looks like a convention center or a hotel. So right. I saw that and I was like, I don't know how I feel about this, you know, and then I go to the bowl and this yellow seats are already dirty and i'm like this is me as a spectator just yeah, kind of sure. analyzing nine and months just, in and it's already got some yeah. and i would talk to jordan i'll be like this is kind of gross you know i, I don't know how i feel about this <laughs> so i'm sitting there in my interview with eric fast forward like months later and we, you know we go through the normal 
process of an interview. And then he tells me, so, you know, this has been great. So nice to meet you. Let me just ask you, what do you, how do you feel about the arena, the aesthetics of it, you know? And I just fucking diarrhea the mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, actually, now that you mention it, you know, whose idea was it to put yellow seeds and, you know, this whole concrete exposed whatever. That's a gutsy move, by you're, the way. You're well, speaking for the people, about though, it. This right? is, yeah, like, yeah. who I am. That's awesome. Like, That's know, why. Crazy yes. brain. I'm, like, not even thinking That's to, like, great. lie and tell yeah, this guy yeah, it's yeah. the most beautiful building I've ever walked into. Um, and then I realized what I was doing. I was like, well, but, you know, you're on the water. And, like, I'm just like, <laughs> you turn, turn it around. You know, what other venue can you walk outside and look at the Miami skyline? <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay, thank you, whatever. So wrapped it up. I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. Like, I'm done. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 Great. Yeah. And I was just getting excited about this. So I'm on my way home. George calls me, my husband. He's like, babe, how did it go? And I was like, it was great. Until, he's like, until what? I'm like, until they asked me what I thought about the arena. He was like, what did you say? Because we had been talking. <laughs> it had been, it's so funny. It had been such a conversation. He's like, oh no. Well, babe, you know what? It's who you are. You told the truth. What are you gonna do? It is what it is. You yeah, saw yeah. a job. Um, and then sure enough, Eric called me. And to this day, we'll say the story and laugh. He's like, You're the only person. I asked that question to every applicant. Yeah. You're the only person who told us what we already knew about the seats, which yeah. they ended up changing. And shot straight too. You know, and, 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 and you send a thank you, a handwritten thank you note, right? Amen. Like who does that? Amen. Amen. But so and now you know, maybe you won't send a thank you note, you'll send an email, but it's just that extra step. And it's not something my mom always told me, send thank you notes. I, till this day, I make my kids, they won't send a thank you note now, but they'll text if they get gifts or they'll pick up the phone. Like Nick just graduated, sure. you know, and our friends and family were so generous. And he, he said, I said, Nick, don't forget, text everyone. He's like, no, mom, I'm going to call them. You know, that, but, which is my okay. big deal. <laughs> yeah, deal, for them, it's right? a big yeah. deal. Yeah, for the yeah. generation. So he's like, I'm going to call them, mom. So it's just, you know, going that extra step. And again, not faking it. It should be something, but it's just programming yourself to yeah. do certain things and just, you know. So from that, you know, that little conversation, you know, that you're sitting that the two of you, you and Eric, having that open conversation lead to the next nearly two decades, of your, my two life. decades of your life in yeah. arena marketing. Yeah, he changed my life. I mean, I get emotional because I love this industry. I've met like such, I've met such yeah. amazing like friends here and we might not see each other all the time. And maybe it's once a year, but honestly, these connections, like who else gets us yeah. and what we do more than each other. And Eric's like my brother. I mean, he was my work husband. George literally would be on like even now, like we're on the couch talking and he's and George and I'm talking to him and George is like, get a room, like just get like <laughs> go away. You know? Um, you know, so I Eric's he changed my life. I love this industry and you know, all the people in it. And um he gave me my opportunity that I don't think anybody, you know, I don't know what would have happened where I would have ended up, but I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Well, and then I guess I do think one of the really interesting things about your path is we kind of mentioned this, but 2020 happens all before that though, you leave, you decide to leave the venue and go on the promoter side. Right. (laughs) But then, uh, you know, you could tell us about choosing to go on that, on the promoter side, but then of course also, you know, good time to make that change. Yeah. And we're like, ironically, in hotel room 2020 right now they gave it to me and the person slid uh oh, from yes. from the desk they slid over and she said oh it's my favorite year and i looked at it and gave like the biggest eye roll ever and i was like of course i get the 2020 room we but, are in room 2020 but then you know that brings a lot of changes like for all of us and myself included and 
you know, and, and I'm, you left the industry for a bit and, uh, you know, but w- what was that experience? That. Like? I was forced to leave the industry yeah, yeah, like yeah, many yeah. of us. Um, so yeah. So like you said, it was, it started before that because I left the arena, um, you know, looking for bigger and better, um, maybe not better, just different because honestly, I have not one bad thing to say about my eight and a half years at the arena. It was the best time of my life. And yeah. It was everything and I loved it until I didn't love it anymore, which wasn't a long time just because I don't have a high threshold for not being happy. Sure. And, you know, um, it was just a lot of nights. It was a lot of weekends. I had been there for such a long time and there really wasn't room for growth. Sure. Um, yeah. I'm like, this is it, which is fine. But I'm at the time, I think 47. So I'm like, this can't be it. Yeah. You know, and again, talking to Eric, he's like, this is a time when you're like making a change and making differences and making the most money, not just kind of staying stagnant. And so I got this opportunity to go work for a promoter who was like a hot local, um, small company, but like really passionate and really like, you know, um, and I knew of him just because he had brought shows to the arena and just kind of really like promised me the world, you know, great money. Um, and just something different. And in the industry, obviously, I wanted to continue my path within, you know, the music industry. Uh, so I was there. So I left and it was the, mo- the hardest, hardest, hardest decision. And I still walk into their arena and I get teary eyed yeah. just because yeah. that was my family. Like yeah. I spent more time with them than I did with my own family, like and my kids. And my, I got I was I didn't have kids when I started there. Like I remember having to tell Eric I was pregnant and I was so scared. But I was more scared to tell Eric that I was pregnant than my mom because I'm like, how am I going to do this job? with a baby and pregnant, I was literally like 60 pounds over, like I gained a lot of weight when I was pregnant. It was awesome. Um, <laughs> um, walking around that arena, like just Jennifer Strum will tell you, she was a mean pregnant woman. I was just screaming at all the photographers, get out of my way. I was like <laughs> large and in charge. And, um, but so yeah, I didn't have kids when I started working there. It was my entire life. So that was the hardest decision I ever made was to leave because there was really no reason for me to leave sure. except I wanted growth. I wanted, you know, it was kind of, and a new challenge. it wasn't fun anymore. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't challenged, you know? Um, so I got this opportunity and they, you know, salary was amazing benefits, everything. So I figured that was the next step. Um, and I was there for a year and I learned probably more there in a year than I had. You stretch those learning muscles, right? Yeah. yeah. In the last five years at the venue, because I was just kind of doing my job with my eyes closed that I have been doing for so many years. Um, but then the pandemic hit and I was furloughed and three months later, just completely laid off. And I freaking and, and for the first, first, like you said, for the first time in your life, right? You know, you're just kind of like, I don't know what, who what, I am yeah. or what I am. What, what, oh, a hundred percent. Without my job, like, and like I said, I make it a point to have my friends, have my family go out, but that's who I was. The core, yeah, the core. Who am I without this job? Like, I can't get my friends tickets. I can't, like, my mom, you know, like, how stupid, you know, that, but that's just who, you you know, where your brain goes. Not that I think any of my friends are my friends because I get to, you know, but that's what I like and enjoy doing. It it was such a part of everything I did. If you take that away, I mean, of course, we have so much left, but it was the first instinct is like people know me as this. And when you remove it, what is it? Yeah, exactly. I still like, I'll say I'm at UTA, but I was at the arena for 18 and a half years. Like that's such a big part of my life. Like it's such a piece of me. Um, and I love the heat, like so passionate, like 
we have I have three championship rings. How lucky am I? You know, yeah. my kids go to used to go to games. It was everything. And then the the concerts and I was, you know, it, I, I actually it was it was a tough year. Um, and I'll leave it at that. But, you know, I learned so much. And and then all of a sudden it was just taken away from me. And then I started not only was I dealing with the fact that I wasn't working and the whole world had shut down and and what the hell am I doing now? Who am I? And what's going to come out of this? Like, how, what, how are we going to come out of this on the other end? But it was like, damn, if I hadn't left the arena, maybe I would have still had a job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it was second guessing myself. And, you know, my husband had his own business. So I've always been the steady, um, you know, breadwinner for lack of a better word. And the insurance, you know, was through yeah. me. And so I was always that person. And now it's like, if I, you know, I took this risk, and now it kind of maybe didn't pay off, you know, thankfully I, my, my support system is just beyond and I'm so blessed and my husband and my friends, and they just never let me like sink yeah. too low. Um, and li- literally friggin' riding bike during the pandemic and going to the beach and looking at the water and just forcing me just to, and at the end of the day, as, as much as I was struggling mentally, I knew a piece of me and and it might sound like BS, but I swear I knew something else is going to come out of this. And it was sure. Michael's senior year. And I'm like, I am never, I would have never gotten this opportunity to be home with yeah. my family. Yeah. And as crazy as it seems, people are like getting divorced and I hate my spouse. We loved being at home together. Yeah. Um, it gave you that chance to reconnect. Yeah. And when, when else were we going to get that opportunity? Not in this business. I would have never stopped yeah. working. I couldn't afford to. I can't, I can't afford to stop working now until I freaking retire. Like I tell my boss now, I'm like, by the way, I'm going to retire from here. I'm not looking to make any more changes. <laughs> You're stuck with me. So, right, right, right. Um, so yeah. So when would I have gotten that opportunity? My son's senior year to be able to, you know, their school did a fantastic job. It was a private school, but they did an amazing job of like keeping them, you know, yeah, they had to homeschool for a little bit, sure. but as soon as they were able to open up, they opened up and they did everything they could. And we were able to be there and experienced that his senior year, which I wouldn't have if I was like working at the arena nights and weekends or working at this promoter's office that it was like crazy hours. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, I hate to say that because it was such a horrible time for yeah. so many people. And I'm not going to lie, myself included. I mean, we took a huge hit. My husband's business still is not recovered. Um, so I'm not saying it was like, oh, my God, it was so amazing. But you have to just find the positive And if not the positive, at least that hope that something positive is going to come out of it if that makes sense or have that feeling that something else is out there or how can you turn it into something positive by looking for it you know like you said it's you're going through this struggle but it's like okay well here's the here's the cards i've been dealt but guess what now i can spend more time doing this i can spend more time with family i can you know whether it's even like learning to bake or or work in your back backyard i became obsessed with fixing my backyard which i cared nothing about but i think it is like important of like you know did you say learning to vape no learning to bake okay i mean some people probably some people probably learn to <laughs> vape too uh but uh learning to bake but yeah, yeah. sorry i was focusing on i was spiraling <laughs> so but i i do think you know that you were sort of forced into this like here's what i've been here's here's where i'm at and i think you know some people and speaking for myself here too a little bit of creatures of habit and so when you're forced out of that right. you're like whoa like your whole world yeah. is shit i'm out. always like a b b c, c yeah D. yeah yeah, like, yeah this is what's supposed to happen this is a progression and it helped me and this is something i tell my kids now because i see it in them and 
that's who I used to be. And I don't like it. It's like, you have to be flexible in life. You have to communicate what you're feeling because once you, it comes from your brain out of your mouth, it's takes on a different life. And it's not as big as you think it is. I tell my kids at all times. Um, and then just be flexible Yeah. because if you can't be flexible in life, you're going to have a really hard time at it. Um, and I'm, I'm still learning that and I'm still, you know, trying to figure it out as I go and not be so like set in my ways because life is going to throw all kinds of shit your way. Right. And no one's getting through it unscathed. So you just kind of have to have that right mindset to be able to get through it and know that there's going to be something better on the other side and not necessarily just because that's what's going to happen, but because you have to believe that you're going to, if it's, if it's not there, you're going to make it happen for yourself. Um, so yeah, so just, and and oddly enough, you know, and again, whether you're sidelined by the pan- pandemic or by just an unexpected change at work, you know, finding your way out of this is so important. So talk to me about, you know, kind of your path out of this and then, you know, where you are today. Well, again, I think it was just that not letting me, letting it overwhelm me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I had very dark days. I, like I said, I, I second guess myself. You tried to do some freelance stuff too. And right. Right. And then I just decided, okay, what am I going to do? Just sit here and like be miserable. And that's not going to get me anywhere. So I don't want to have a year gap in my resume without anything. Um, even if it's the pandemic and this is what's happening. So right. I did start doing some freelance work. So I have a friend of mine um, who has a company called mind body social and i reached out to him and he was still doing he's starting to do like small events they do like yoga events they do you know and they work with like our local hospital you know and it's just it was a feel-good program and i reached out to him and he's like we need help and we would love for you to help us and so i started doing marketing for him and putting together like different marketing plans for their different events and that kind of occupied my brain and also gave me something to put on paper. Um, and then, yeah, and then I never stopped applying for jobs. It's crazy, scary how many applications. And, and what you've seen. And nobody would get, even get back to that. Me. Right? And I you, know, that you, was me. I and was... you knew everybody in Miami, <laughs> right? I mean, you felt for your job for 18 years at the air, you knew everybody. But you do it sometimes. Again, it was a, it's a tough window, but I've been there where you where I was out of work for six months for one, for one period of my life. Right. I, I knew it. I had all these connections, but it just wasn't the right time. And but I, then something did come my way. And I did I did get a little bit bitter. I was like, all these fuckers that asked me for tickets and I can't get a freaking call back from a... Can't cash in on I'm not going to lie. I have a list. Yeah. I, I am a not a petty space. person, but I have a list. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it was crazy. How many resumes? I even thought, I'm like, I'm going to get out of the industry. Like, maybe this is my... Yeah like opportunity to like leave this crazy world that like I applied at university of Miami for marketing. Didn't even call me back. Um, just random places that I wouldn't, I even had a stint for four months at Goodwill. I was at Goodwill when Eddie, my current boss called me. And then, but again, my George is like, it's a job. I'm like, it can't be a job. Like for me. And this is just, it can't be a job. It has to be like what I'm going to do. Like it's going to be who I become. He's like, it doesn't have to be. It could just be a job until the next thing. I'm like, this is my new thing. So his cousin actually (laughs) um, has worked in the non-for-profit industry her whole life. And she's a freaking rock star. I love her. And I'm like, I'm going to talk to Anai. Her name's Anai. I'm going to talk to her because I know she's going to get me motivated to like work at Goodwill. And um, which is an amazing industry. I mean, I'm not nothing against Goodwill, but just not my industry, you know. So I had to kind of psych myself out a little bit. But I wanted it to be like my thing. 
So I sat for, with, I, we went out to brunch and I'm like, so I, I'm, I think I'm going to work at Goodwill. I got this opportunity. It's so the, the president of Goodwill used to be the publisher at the Miami Herald. So, you know, I know him very well. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, and then she's like, this is amazing. This is what you were meant to do. You've put in your time and th- those crazy hours at the arena. This is who you are now. You're getting older. You need a different pace of li- life pace. Um, and, and this is how your time to give back. And I'm like, this is who I am now. I am Goodwill. <laughs> I'm like, this is the second act. Yeah, yeah And yeah. then I'm all about like helping others. And now I'm going to be, you know, a good person. And I'm not giving you tickets anymore, but give me your old clothes. And three months later, Eddie calls me. And, you know, and I was like, I'm all in. And Dave Landsberg, who's the, he's like, Liz, we're so happy to have you, whatever. I'm like, this is my passion. This is like what I want to do. This is what I was meant to do. This is with the pandemic. And I'm all, I'm all in. Like, I'm all in. Two months later, I get a call from UTA uh, in my car taking the call like at the parking lot of Goodwill <laughs> are you interested I'm all I'm like, in asterisks uh, yeah until <laughs> I get a call from no but I really did think I was all in yeah, like I'm yeah, like I'm done with course. the with the music industry you were, you were all in and that's just yeah. my mindset like yeah. I, I want to do something I want to do it 110 percent I don't want to half-ass it or be like okay I'm gonna work until I get something else like yeah, yeah. I had actually been offered other jobs but the pay wasn't great and I'm like listen I don't want to commit to something that I can't make work long-term, sure. right? And I'm not going to waste your time training me to then leave in three months. So when I started working at Goodwill, I, I mean, it's an amazing company. And it's, I didn't even know half of what they did. So I immersed myself and, you know, I was doing PR for them and I was doing marketing and things were kind of starting to open up. And I was working with the board of directors and, you know, I'm like, okay, I can see myself doing this. So it's not like I, I maybe I lied to myself. I didn't, you know, intentionally lie to anybody else because really like I did want to make this like my thing and own it. But then, you know, the pull of our crazy industry just, you know. Pulls you back. Yeah, pulls yeah. you back. Well, hey, we are just about out of time here today. And I feel like we've only scratched the surface of, of your adventures. But before we let you go, I want to hit you with our, our fast five. It's just five quick questions. Just looking for your, your oh, instant short response. I, I had escaped. How about, how about, how about, what was your very first concert? Ooh, my first concert. I want to say it was Debbie Gibson. Oh, nice. Oh. How about a favorite concert? Do you have a favorite concert of all time? You know what? Somebody asked me that yesterday. I actually do not. I just, I mean, I have favorite concerts, Coldplay, Adele, um, Taylor, but not U2 with yeah. a heart, yeah. like after yeah. 9-11. Like there's just so many amazing shows that I got to watch. Pink. Yeah. Panic at the Disco. Like. <laughs> all right. Describe Miami in one word crazy <laughs> what's your favorite beach that's not in miami probably siesta key okay yeah yeah that's nice it's beautiful um last question for you you get your own reality tv show the liz show cameras follow you all around what's the theme song what's the song that plays over to the over the opening credits to the song that's all about you and your life Oh God, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's like, what's my Bravo line about my real housewife? Uh, <laughs> I thought about that, but I've never honed in on one. Um, um, ooh, the pink song. Now I can't think of the name of it. I'm still a rock star. I want oh, so yeah. what? So, so what? what? Yeah. yeah. So what? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, Liz, uh, what do you, where can people find you? Where can people follow along with your adventures or reach out or any of that good stuff? Anything you want to plug? Um. No, I mean, I, I live out loud. I know that sounds tacky and stupid and cheesy, but that's the truth. I mean, what you see is what you get with me. Follow me on Instagram. Um, I am Liz Rock, and that's who I am. And I share my personal stuff. I share my work stuff. I share happy stuff. I share 
That's hashtags the, over everything. I love a hashtag. A good hashtag. They tell a story. They, they tell yes, a story. Yes. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, for good, good, better, ugly. So my friends are like, "You're ridiculous," and my husband's like, "You're using my likeliness without my permission." I don't care. It's you know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for the time. Thanks, getting up early this fun. morning, yeah. and, and and truly uh, loved talking with you and hearing about your stories. Thank love your you. openness. Yeah, I love you guys. I love this. Yeah, I love too. too. I actually got I got teary eyed a few times today. Oh. Yeah. Man. Uh, I'm, hey. I'm emotional yeah sucker. yeah well hey and big thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of adventures in venue land remember you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts we do appreciate your five-star reviews it helps others find us until the next adventure i'm dave rettelberger and i'm paul hooper thanks for listening everyone Adventures in Venueland is a side project of the Event and Venue Marketing Conference, a marketing conference that brings together diversified event and venue professionals to cultivate education, collaboration, and innovation for the growing sports and live entertainment industry. Find out more at eventvenuemarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.